the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them and known in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, I pray you'd open our hearts, our minds to your message. Help us to leave here today unified as the body of Christ, to live out your gospel in the world. And we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. It's great to be with you all. It's great to see some more of you all here this week. Um, And for those of you who are at home or abroad, uh, thank you all for tuning in today. If you'll notice that my title of my sermon is Together We Stand, Divided We Fall. And you may say, no, it's United We Stand, Divided We Fall. But depends on who you talk to, because this phrase has been gone on for a long, long time. And uh, it got its modern-day popularity when one of our founding fathers, John Dickinson, in a patriotic song called the Liberty Song, had these words. Then join hand in hand, brave Americans all, by uniting we stand, by dividing we fall. Variations of this phrase have been found everywhere in political campaigns, on state license plate mottos, in literature and popular music from everyone from Pink Floyd to Tupac, if you know who they are. Also in uh, J.K. Rowling's book, Harry Potter, here's one of his quotes from the book. He said, we are only as strong as we are united, as weak as we are divided. And if you go back in the Bible in Jesus' words, and we'll talk about how he said it in the prayer that um, I just read a, a few moments ago, Jesus said this, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And then the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, I, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree And that there may be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and save judgment. Well, these words sound beautiful, right? 
together, united we stand, divided we fall. Let's just kind of run off with that. But if we're all honest, it's kind of hard. And I found it personally hard in almost every area of my life. One day, it looks like my family's all together. We're all on the same page. The next day, the kids are fighting. The dog's barking for no reason. Mom is mad. I'm just trying to like walk like that bull in the china shop and not uh, cause any more chaos to the problems. We've seen this in workplaces when because of uh, when management goes awry, how chaos can erupt. No one seems to know what they're doing. People start slandering each other. It can be an unhappy place to go. We see this in all kinds of areas in our life. We see this in our political climate where you have a leader that maybe goes awry as well. And all of a sudden, from his leadership, chaos, people who are more divided than united happens. You know, those are, uh, some, uh, those are some experiences, and I think for all of you all, if you've lived a little life, you've experienced this as well. You've had times where you felt like you were so united, either at work or at home. You felt like your place in the world, everything was making sense. But then... Just like that, things can become chaos. Things can become toxic, dysfunctional. Perhaps you were in a family that, where there was a divorce when you were younger, and you saw how that can just tear a family apart. Or having a rebellious teenager, where it seemed to divide the whole family. It's so easy to get sidetracked. Currently in our country and in the world, financially, emotionally, politically, in almost every other way, we're experiencing a lot of uncertainty, a lot of chaos. There are so many strong and dividing opinions on how do we emerge out of this COVID uh, situation that we all find ourselves a part of. But what I'm most concerned about today is it would be so easy for the church to become divided ourselves during this time. My biggest concern for all of us today is that we would become more united as a body of believers more sure of our calling for, from God to be united, to be a solid community, that a world that's finding itself more and more unstable and unsteady would have a solid ground to consider building their life on. Today, as we look at scripture and Jesus' final words to believers like you and I, this was the night before he was going to be crucified, we're going to be reminded of the importance for all of us to be unified, you see, it wasn't just an option for us as Christians. Hey, if you want it, would be a good idea if you guys were more together and unified. No, Jesus prayed for us in the last day that would, we would be one as the Father and Him were one, that we would have that same kind of unity. And because we are unifi- unified, that we wouldn't hold it to ourselves. We would be out in the world, in the world, sharing this connection we have with God with other people through our words, through our actions, to share the love of God with everybody, everywhere. So on Jesus' final night, he says these words in his prayers. First to the disciples, listen up to these words. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And then he says to believers like you and I, he prays for us in the future. He says, my prayer is not for them, the disciples alone. I pray pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, 
Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See, unity for all of us as believers begins with each and every one of us being connected to Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But that connection to Christ, as we join in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that community is extended in all of our horizontal relationships, beginning with this community right here. We are called to be together. Remember, Jesus had such a close relationship with the Father, he prayed and talked to the Father about everything. In the same way, we're supposed to pray together as believers and to communicate with each other. We're called to that kind of unity. So when you think of unity, I want to make sure you understand what I'm not talking about. It's not a flimsy kind of unity where we all just try to be nice and we see no evil and we, you know, we just sing kumbaya and pretend like there are no problems in the world. Unity is not this kind of conformity where we all look alike and act alike and pretend that we like each other. This is not the kind of unity that Jesus is talking about. A matter of fact, historically, that never works. Just go to communes, for example. How often do you see one of them lasting for more than a, a half of a generation? Jesus had a whole different idea of unity. It begins with us being connected to him. When we understand that we are invited into this oneness, we become a part of God's family He fills us with his Holy Spirit. And we were able to have a special connection with each other. This isn't like the tennis club where we all like tennis, so we kind of show up here to talk about tennis. A lot of us who come as as believers that God invites may not be people you'd normally hang out with, may not be people that you, may be very people that you're avoiding during the week. But he invites everybody. And we come to this, uh, this community, this body of believers as very different people. We don't all think alike. We don't all look alike. But we all have one call in our lives, to be connected to Christ. And when we're connected to him, he gives us a love that we never thought we were able to for each other. And this unity that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit is a powerful witness to the world. Remember Jesus' words, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. When we are together, it's a powerful force. But how do we maintain this unity? Because as as I said earlier, it's not easy to maintain, right? It's easy to feel like unified and together one day, but then the next, chaos can result. Well, There's two keys I want you all to remember today. The first is this. It's where we are placed. See, Jesus never said to us, now stay in church, inside the building, and just talk to each other, hang out, kind of like that commune I talked about earlier. No, he said our place is in the world. Listen to his prayer. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. And then he goes on to say, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We are sent people. Our place to demonstrate the unity we have is outside the walls of this church. Now, like many of you, I was very anxious to come back here and to to worship. I know it looks a little bit like, as I mentioned to a few people earlier, like the twilight zone in here with everybody with mask on. 
But what I was most excited about during uh, the past couple months is that church was happening outside these, these walls. You see, our faith was never meant to be a holy huddle where we stay and we talk about you know, what we should do, form committees about how we can go out into the world, but then never go. That's a recipe for uh, just nothingness. But one thing over the last two months, I've seen people having Zoom Bible studies. I've seen people caring for their neighbors, picking up groceries, people who are being the church, and it's powerful. And yes, it's great to be together, but this togetherness was always meant to be for a short time and then to go outside these walls again and to show our unity with each other and to serve the world, which we'll talk about in a moment. So our place is in the world. It's not stuck in a building. It's not in a holy huddle. But in the world does not mean we're of the world. In other words, it doesn't mean we blend in so much, kind of like that Where's Waldo thing, you know, where you're trying to find that guy with all the different things. Where's the Christian? No, instead, we don't turn a blind eye to evil in this world. We don't pretend like there's not injustice. We're called to be out in the world and to be hope for people, to be a light to people, to have a light that shines in the darkness and the rough and the bad things in this world. We, as we are unified, we are people of hope. That's what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. In our Book of Common Prayer, um, I know uh, some of you all haven't really opened it much, especially because we have it on the screens, but the really cool thing about it is it's all based on Scripture. It wasn't somebody who just, hey, this might be a good thing to write. It's all based uh, directly on Scripture. But here are two quotes when it talks about our place in the world. It says the church is Catholic because it's, it proclaims the whole faith to all people to the end of time. That's the, what the word Catholic means. To all people to the end of the time, not just us, but to people outside these walls. The church is apostolic, meaning that it continues in the teaching and the fellowship of those apostles, those people that had seen the risen Jesus. We continue in their mission, and we're sent out to carry Christ's mission to all people. All people means everybody. So now that we know that we're supposed to uh, live out this unity by being in the world, which is our first key, our second key is to know what we do when we go in the world. And it's the simplest but the most difficult thing. We are called to bring God's love into the world. We're called to put our faith in action through our words and deeds. And if you can put it this way and remember this, we have one main job to do as a Christian. Well, you know when you have one main job to do, it's kind of easy to stay unified. I worked at a company once when nobody knew what they were doing, so it was just, it, it, it didn't, I'm surprised it stayed in business as long as it did. But we have one main job to do, and that's to live out the love of Christ together. And I'll talk a little bit more about what that means in just a moment. So Jesus, during this last day of his, uh, his life, before he was crucified, he demonstrated what this love was like through his words and through his actions. First of all, his words to disciples were this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Then he goes on and says, this is my command. Love each other. So we start with each other. 
And then later when he was praying for these uh, same disciples who became the apostles, the ones who had seen the risen Christ, as he was praying to God, he said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, Jesus' words, what he said, this remain in me, love each other as I have loved you, they would embody that. They would live it out. They would be sent people into the world to live out the love of Christ. So when we think of those famous scripture in John 3.16, which we used to see at football stadiums or people had on t-shirts, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then the second one on 17, for God did, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We begin to embody those worlds. Just as the, the son was sent, we are sent into the world to proclaim that God loves them, that he died for their sins, that if they believe in him, they don't need to perish, but they can have everlasting life. God did not send Jesus to condemn them. We embody and we live out those words. That's part of our message, to be the words of Christ to a, a world that needs to hear encouraging words. I remember uh, when I was starting high school, I played JV baseball and had a good experience. Um, I'd had some good coaches and bad coaches. I had a really good JV baseball coach. And then that summer, I had this amazing coach uh, for just a summer league. It was just kind of a for fun league. But the one thing I like this guy, very similar to our JV coach, he was somebody who encouraged all the time. He was always encouraging. When you went, I remember pitching one time. I wasn't playing well. He just kept me in the game, kept saying, you can do this. You know what? All of us performed above and beyond our ability because of those encouraging words. With Jesus' words, to go out and love the, wor- the world, these words... He fills us with the Holy Spirit so we have the ability to do that so we can go above and beyond what we think we're capable of. We can love our enemies. We can love those that are difficult to love. We can bring peace to our divided families. We can bring a sense of unity in a divided workplace because of the love of Christ that's in our heart. The second way uh, on Jesus' night, it was through his actions. Remember earlier, if you've been watching some of these services online, it was either Greg or I, I'm trying to remember, but one of our scriptures was how Jesus washed the disciples' feet. This was unheard of for a rabbi to do such lowly work, the work of a servant. But there was a reason that Jesus did this. He wanted to demonstrate what it meant to be a believer, to be a follower of him, what his kingdom was all about, to go in the world and to serve the world not just through our words, but also in our actions. And then probably a misunderstood word in the Bible is glory. Remember, as he was praying, he said these words, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. What is this glory he's talking about? We are so conditioned to think of glory as uh, one of my favorite pastors in one of his sermons said in triumphal terms, kind of like, you know, Gold medal glory, to win glory. But this prayer was on the eve of the total servanthood of Jesus Christ, where he laid down his life for his friends, for you, for myself, and the whole world. It was that kind of servanthood. That's the glory that he's calling us to. 
to love other people through our words, through our actions, to announce the good news, even with all our own flaws and imperfections, and to put our faith into action by serving others. When we do that, when we're in the world, and we're serving the world through, through our words and our actions, we have a unity, a bond that cannot be broken. We're joined into what Christ is doing. We join into the Trinitarian work of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that holy community, and we bring that kind of community into the world that desperately needs it right now. Gary Hogan, the founder of International Justice Mission that does all kind of great work around the world, world, including stopping sex trafficking and all kinds of evils that are going around um, our planet. He said these words, What's God's plan to make it believable to the world that God is good? We are the plan. There is no other plan. You've heard me preach a few times. You've heard me say that same quote. We are the plan. There is no other plan. God has called us. He's called you and I, not just to consider being more unified, but to know that's a requirement for us as believers, to be together, to be in the world but not of the world, as sent people, to serve the world through our words, through our actions. Remember on the night of Jesus' death, he said, greater love is no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. Judas betrayed him, but Jesus laid down his life. For all the other disciples, and Judas included, including you and I, he laid down his life for all of us. And we're called to be living sacrifices to the whole world, starting right here in our family, Hilton Head, and beyond. This act of this loving generosity is the hallmark for us as believers, through our words and through our actions, by being in the world. So, I don't know where you are, if you've been, I mean, sometimes it's easy to tune out, but I want to remind you this morning that you, personally, are called to unity. First of all, to be connected to Christ by saying, no to self, no to self in the sense where I'm going to call the shots and I don't need God, but instead say, God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior, I need you in my life. That's the first connection. And then we're called to live out that faith, not by hiding in a huddle, but by huddling and going out into the world and living it out through our words and through our actions. And the good news, because I know how it is for all of us, is we're not in this alone. Remember, unity takes more than one person. We're called together. Together we do it. We put it into practice. Remember Jesus' words, a house divided cannot stand. We are in this together. Remember how Jesus, in the beginning of the Gospel John, some of you have read that Gospel, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, now we are the flesh, and we're dwelling, we're living with a world that needs to have hope, needs to know what Jesus did for them, needs to know that Jesus died for their sins needs to know the hope they can have of eternal life, that they can live life that is not uh, driven by fear, but instead of a life that is connected to God and is filled with love. That is our mission. It's a lofty one, but we're in this together. I wanted to conclude my time in uh, 
tell you a story, a true story. Um, Christopher Wren, who designed St. Paul Cathedral in London, one of the world's, uh, considered one of the world's uh, most beautiful buildings, wrote about the reactions of construction workers who were asked what they were doing. Those workers who were bored and tired responded by saying, I'm laying bricks or I'm carrying stones. But one worker who was mixing cement seemed cheerful and enthusiastic about his work. When asked what he was doing, he replied, I'm building a magnificent cathedral. Sometimes for us as believers, we can kind of forget, what are we even doing here? What what does it mean that I'm a Christian? But we're part of building Christ's kingdom. Remember in the Lord's Prayer where it says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to bring his kingdom here on earth. To bring his salvation, to bring the hope of the resurrection to everybody. To bring his justice And we're reminded when we face struggles and we go through tough times that he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's stay together in the world through the power of the Holy Spirit, through our words and through our actions. Let's be together and share that with everybody everywhere. Let us pray. Lord, it's so easy when we get disconnected from each other to lose our focus, to forget what we're supposed to be about. I thank you on your last night before the crucifixion and before the resurrection. You reminded the disciples of those important words to be connected to you. Lord, Fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh this week so we can live out that unity together in the world and give us the courage not just to blend in so nobody notices us, but instead with great humility to share your love and the hope that we have in you with a world that so desperately needs to hear and see this message. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.